0: Jesus exalting, Jesus abiding, Jesus obeying, Jesus proclaiming people. Amen. Well, this morning we are concluding our series on the grace of God. And we have spent the past several weeks looking at different aspects of what the grace of God is all about and some of the different blessings of his grace. And I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And just thinking again and thinking in new ways about the, how God has expressed his grace to us in Christ. And this morning, we want to conclude with this final reality. And that is, by the grace of God, you are glorified. You are glorified as you sit here this morning. And we want to see and understand what that all means for our lives. Romans chapter 8, verse 30. It says, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, we've looked at several of these already in our series on grace. We looked at the fact that we are called, uh, the fact that we are chosen, uh, the fact that we have been justified, that we've been declared innocent of all charges. But now we come to this final piece of Romans 8.30, that we are glorified. That spiritually we are glorified. Now, just as with many aspects of the grace of God, for example, with sanctification, we have been sanctified, we are being sanctified, and we will be sanctified. Uh, we have been justified, we are being justified, we will be justified. And so with the glor- being glorified, we have been glorified, we are being glorified, and we will be glorified one day. But I want us to see three different scriptures that help us understand what this glorification is all about. First of all, in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17, where it says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if we in fact suffer with them, so that we may also be glorified with him. So what is Romans chapter 8 talking about here in verses 15 through 17? That we are children of God, and we looked at this as an aspect of the grace of God, that we have been adopted to become his children. That we were once aliens and strangers, we were once enemies of God, but now we have been made His children, and by His Spirit we can call Him Abba Father. And that Holy Spirit, in verse 16, bears witness with our spirit that we are in fact children of God. And if we're children of God, along with the Son of God, we are heirs of God. Joint heirs with Christ. Why? Why? I mean, I don't think that we can fully comprehend what that means and what that entails. But the fact that we are now named along with Christ as joint heirs in the kingdom of God. I mean, if we want to talk about a a climactic ending to thinking about the grace of God... That as we've taken this journey of seeing how God has taken us lost and dead in our sin and has now loved us and chosen us and adopted us and sanctified us and justified us and works in us and empowers us and uses us. And now he makes us joint heirs with Christ. That we get to inherit the kingdom of God and the past couple of weeks we've seen that we're eternal and that we're waiting and the reality is that we are going to be joint heirs with Christ of the kingdom of God but... We are heirs, not we will be heirs, we are heirs, joint heirs with Christ. I think about our, how we've become so obsessed with royal family over the past few decades, and uh, even though we kind of fled from monarchy, we're still kind of fascinated by it. And I think about these children who are just babies, and they're being called prince, and future kings, and and these babies have no idea. All they know is, I'm hungry, I'm tired. They don't realize what it means to be an heir to the throne of Great Britain. They're just living their baby lives. Not knowing that one day that they could sit as king over England. I don't know that we can truly comprehend that whatever we did yesterday, However you spent your Saturday, as you were in bed, if you listened to the thunderstorm on and off all night, as you laid there in your bed trying to sleep, did it occur to you that you are a joint heir of the kingdom of God in Christ? Let that reality set in. Not because you deserve it. Not because you earn it. Think about these royal babies overseas. What did they do to deserve being called prince or princess and one day inheriting the throne? They were just born. They didn't decide to be born. They were born. We've been born from above. Not because we deserved it, not because we earned it, but because of the grace of God. And we now, in our glorified state, are heirs with Christ of the kingdom. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It says, You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, doing the will of the flesh and senses, and were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, Out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Go back to verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This issue of being glorified means that we live in this dual reality. This dual reality that spiritually we have been risen with Christ. We are raised with Christ, seated with Christ in the kingdom of God, seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. But yet we still live daily life in this world. And I love that this comes from Ephesians because I've said it before and say it again, that Ephesians displays this issue of glorification so beautifully. Because the six chapters of Ephesians are split in half. Chapters 1 through 3 talk about what it means that we are glorified with Christ. What it means that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. All the things that are true of us spiritually because we are glorified in Christ. But then chapters 4, 5, and 6 say because you're glorified, because you are spiritually seated with Christ in the heavenly places, this is what your life should look like. And this is what your life should become more and more like. Because sometimes we have this mentality that how I live my life defines who I am. That no longer is true of us when we are believers in Christ. What now defines us is the fact that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. But we look at our lives today and say, but I I, I struggle with sin, I struggle with temptation, and I, I struggle with gossip or jealousy, and I struggle with all this stuff, but I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places. I, I'm not always joyful. I, I lose my temper. I get frustrated, but I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And so now this process of living into our glorification goes back back to sanctification of allowing our lives in this world to become in alignment with the spiritual reality that's true of us. Read Ephesians 1 through 3. It tells us everything about who we are in Christ because of Christ in our glorified state, being seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Now, through the work of the Spirit of God, As we looked at with that grace of sanctification, we are being shaped so that our physical existence becomes more and more in line with our glorified state. This is why we can declare the reality that in Christ, you are holy and blameless before him. Did anybody wake up feeling holy and blameless? No, because we know that we did some stuff yesterday we shouldn't have done or failed to do some things yesterday that we should have done. But your spiritual condition is holy and blameless because of Christ. Is that your daily reality? No, but it should become more and more of our daily reality to live what is true of us spiritually. Because we we always think about someday when I get to heaven, Someday when I get to heaven and I'm free from this body of sin and I'm free from this world, I'm finally with Jesus. Spiritually, that is already true of us. Spiritually, we are already seated in the heavenly places. But now we just live out life in this world. So the question for us as we respond to the grace of God is, does my life reflect the fact that I'm glorified with Christ? Am I living the life of one who's seated with Christ in the heavenly places? Am I living my life as a joint heir with Christ? A lot of times it's easy for me to look at myself and compare myself to other Christians and say, am I I doing better or worse than these other Christians? If I'm doing a little better, then I can feel good about my spiritual growth. But the comparison is Jesus. The comparison is, am I living up to my glorified state in Christ? There's none of us who can say yes. But the Christian life is a journey of growing in that glorification. Of living out what is true of us because of Christ. Again, remember what Jesus has done for you. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were still sinners, Jesus came into the world and took our sins upon himself so that once and for all, all of my sin, all of my trespasses have been dealt with in Jesus at the cross. So that now I can be forgiven. I can be a recipient of the love and grace of God. This is who I am. In other words, I don't live according to who I truly am. This is why Paul talks in Romans about the struggle. That there's the flesh and the spirit. The flesh is still drawn to the things of this life, but the spirit is glorified and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Are we becoming more of who Jesus has purchased us to be? Again, because this is a series on the grace of God, I need to emphasize this is not a rally cry for us to say, okay, I'm going to try harder this week. I'm really going to make a count this week. Because you will fail. Because we already saw our sanctification as a work of the grace of God. Our becoming more like Christ. Our living up to our glorified state is about surrender. To say, Jesus, have your way in me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Get rid of anything in me that is hindering the work of your spirit in my life. Because Jesus, I want to live today in light of who I am in Christ. In light of who I am in the heavenly places that's the kind of life that I want to live when I played football it's I think it's been a while since I've talked about sports I I try to watch it but there's there's so many analogies when I played football I think I shared the story Uh, if it was especially rainy and muddy and sloppy of course we still had practice And at the end of practice, what the coach would do is take the football and chuck it in the middle of the biggest mud pit on the field. And he'd say the first one to get the ball can go shower and go home. And so we'd all get messy and dirty, and then he'd get the ball, do it again. Then the next person can go shower and go home, and he'd do it over and over and over. There's a funny thing that happens in that kind of moment. See, if you're all clean and pristine and and freshly... Cleansed. You don't want to get dirty. It's like, oh man, I don't want to dive in that mud. But once you've dove, dove, and and dove into the mud, you're about as dirty as you can be. And so the second time, you don't hesitate. The first time, it's like, oh, that's going to be cold and nasty. The second, third time, you don't care anymore. It can be very similar to how we live our Christian lives. If we are focused on our glorified state as joint heirs with Christ and seated with Christ in the heavenly places, and, and we see the temptations around us, our inclination should be, oh, no. See, once we dive into the mud and don't return to the grace of God for cleansing, it gets so easy to keep returning to the mud and stay in the mud. that's life in this world to walk in the cleanness and purity of being seated with Christ in the heavenly places or dive into the mud of the desires of the flesh and the temptations around us God by his grace has pulled us out of that washed us clean purified us set us here in pristine white garments said live from this place live from this place of righteousness and holiness and purity don't live from this place See, one of uh, i I used to be an advocate of uh, there there's a ministry that one of the people in the ministry would say i'm the wretch that the song refers to and amazing grace, saved a wretch like me, and I'm the wretch the song refers to. But when we have this mentality that I am a filthy wretch, I'm a dirty, filthy worm, I'm just a wretched sinner, we kind of put ourselves here. And it becomes very easy. Well, I'm a wretched, dirty, filthy worm of a sinner, so mine as well. But if we live from this space of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, I am holy and blameless in the sight of God. I am a joint heir with Christ. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly places. I have been washed. I am sanctified. I am a glorified spiritual being. I want to live from this space of purity and holiness and righteousness. So Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 it says, You have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. This space here is a life hidden with Christ in God. That is, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that defines you right now. No matter what kind of week you had, no matter how you feel, no matter what the past month has been, no matter what the past year has been, no matter what tomorrow is, no matter what happens this week, you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is the grace of God, that we are no longer set down in this world of sin, left to just flail about in the mud and the filth. He has elevated us out of that, glorified us, made us his children, recipients of his love and grace, and our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. In other words, if our lives are hidden with Christ in God, then that essentially means that the more that becomes true of how we live, the less people see of us and the more they see of Jesus through us. If we're just hidden inside of him. Think about the reality of that. If we're hidden in Christ, in God, a lot of times we, we feel like we live life in this world and the the arrows of the enemy and temptation, they're just always bombarding us. But if we're hidden with Christ in God, then it's Christ who's on the outside deflecting all of those arrows. If we live in his grace and his strength. But so often we like to climb back to this space. And just I can do this on my own. This here is life outside the grace of God. I can do this by myself. I don't need his help. I don't need his strength. We would never say that. But it's how we live. I'm just going to cling tighter and I'm going to apply more religious rules to my life and I'm just going to live a pure life and I'm going to just white knuckle my way to living like Jesus. It's like trying to save yourself from drowning. I'm just going to make it worse. Because living like Christ is a gift of God's grace. It's not something we can do ourselves. what God has called us to is to surrender. Say, Jesus, today I surrender again to living in Christ, to living as a joint heir of Christ, living as a child of God, living as one who's seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So this is why, when we look to the fact that our citizenship is in heaven, it's not in this world because spiritually, that is where we're seated. Is that reflected in how we're living? And again, it's not a matter of let's try harder this week. It's let's surrender more fully. Say, Jesus, I wanna surrender to your grace at work in my life and live from a place of grace. And if we walk away from 12 weeks talking about the grace of God, and if we think that God's grace is just about His grace towards me, then we've missed half of it. Because the other half is all this being said applied to me also applies to you. And it applies to those who are around me, my brothers and sisters in Christ. So if God is kind and patient towards me, am I kind and patient? Toward my brothers and sisters in Christ. See, I I can't live in the grace of God and then hold a, a weight of legalism over your head. I can't allow just God to forgive me of all of my sins, but yet refuse to forgive you for the ways that someone may have hurt me. Jesus talks about that a couple of times. If we're to be people who truly respond to and receive the grace of God, we need to know that that grace has to extend from us to those around us. That's how we become a community of grace. A place where the grace of God is in abundance toward ourselves and toward one another. I pray that we be a people who live in the love and the grace of God and live from a place of the love and the grace of God. Let's pray. Lord, even after 12 weeks of thinking about your grace, it's still the very tip of a very large iceberg. But Lord, I pray that more than learning information, I pray that something has stirred in us these weeks to call us into deeper places of your grace, calling us to places of deeper surrender to your grace. So, Lord, I want to pray specifically for individuals who might fall in different categories. Lord.